All right, welcome to episode 11 of the BobbyCast. Thank you very much. Uh, in uh, uh, the studio today is Natalie Stovall, uh, singer, fiddle player, uh, dancer. <laughs> you, you did have to dance as a kid when you were doing Op- Opryland. You yes, were a dancer. I did. Now, the weird thing about Natalie is, um, and by the way, at Natalie Stovall on Twitter, is... Would you say that you were a prodigy if you were looking at yourself from someone else's eyes? Because I see prodigy because I know how young you started. I feel like prodigy is like, I don't know, just beyond, uh, way beyond anything I ever did. Okay. Well, then let's just go go back. You started playing the fiddle when? Four. Okay. A four-year-old even care about playing the fiddle. (laughs) It's weird. But that's a a really good time to start because then it's just part of your language. It's a good time to start. Of course, it's a a wonderful time to start, but no (laughs) four-year-old really wants to pick up a fiddle. I just wanted people to pay attention to me. At four, how do you get a fiddle under your hands? My grandmother read an article in the newspaper, and we had a violin teacher come to Columbia, Tennessee, and she thought it'd be a good idea if I played, so she called Mama, and Mama asked me if I wanted to play, and I said yeah at four years old you committed to playing the violin mm-hmm. was it the violin or was it the fiddle it was the violin okay. i started with classical music so that's even crazier that you cared about classical music <laughs> at four okay so you picked it up and when did you start to be where people would be like wow this kid's kind of good how old were you then i think i started fiddle competitions when i was seven or eight. I don't remember my first competition, but I started out in like the junior competitions and stuff. Probably eight because I guess eight is when I started playing fiddle music and taking like double lessons, classical and fiddle. And so then I just started, I don't know. I'd play for anyone that would listen though. Yeah. That's not, that's this case of a lot of musicians, but you're seven, eight years old playing the fiddle. Were you the best when you were seven? No, you weren't. No. No, I definitely wasn't, especially like in the classical world. I mean, I, I was not the best. There were kids in, in my group that were just, you know, like they could play anything. When did you flip over and start to do the fiddle or kind of more of the country side of things? As soon as, so my teacher brought in a fiddle tune for us to play because she was trying to introduce us to different things. And that's when my whole world opened up. I mean, that's when I was like, oh, 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 I want to do this because I used to get in trouble for smiling while I was playing my concertos on stage. You're not supposed to do that? No, because they want you to take it really seriously. But I was performing. It was just what I wanted to do. I don't know. I didn't really think about it. And so um, so when a fiddle tune came in, that's when I was like, oh, I like play two strings at once and like smile all I want. And so then Mama went and found a fiddle teacher for me. And so then I started playing fiddle music. So if you're four and you have this need to perform, was there a lack of love? What why, do you mean? why would you want to perform at four years old? Why did you? I don't know. Why did you need the love from a there. crowd at four? <laughs> I don't know. Like I know that's why I, I started getting being in front of you. No, there like, wasn't. I, not for me. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a weirdo that is a songwriter and creator and musician that had a very loving upbringing and, and lots do. of family like, and still I know do. Your parents, yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, and all my siblings are supportive and you know, I've got three older siblings that are either 10 years or more older. Um, I don't know. 
I think because also I started acting classes when I was three and started doing commercials and stuff when I was six. Did your parents pressure you into this? It no, sounds like, not at all. It sounds like they were trying to make a Macaulay Culkin buck <laughs> off of it, right? Like, they saw like a little golden child. So at three, no. you started taking, I don't even have a memory at three years old. <laughs> Can I take this off and sit back? Yeah, you're sure. Okay. But, but yeah. <laughs> the microphone, y'all. Um, the microphone. You're the first guest to ever take the microphone off. This Are you? Oh, because really? Yeah. No, yeah. I feel like I saw a picture with she's somebody holding it. No, yeah, she's, she's, she's. I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm being too proper sitting up at the front of the chair. I'm going to take my pants off. Um, <laughs> so doing? you're taking acting lessons at three. You're playing the fiddle at four. Yeah. Um, you know that's what you want to do. Were, yes. in, in school, were you the, the music kid? Yes. Yeah, I was always the weirdo that, you know, always did the performing thing. You went to college. You went to a music school in Boston, right? Yeah. Berkeley? Berkeley. Mm-hmm. How in the world did you get in there? I first heard about Berkeley through my voice teacher in Nashville. But Berkeley's like super prestigious. And like where we come from, like you and I, that's not even real. Yeah. Like Berkeley's not real. It's like it's something you see on TV where kids go, they're rich and super. That's why I'm saying like. As soon as I found out it existed, though, there was nothing that was going to stop me from going to school there. How did you get to school there? I. Um, I started working on my scholarship audition pretty much in my sophomore year of high school. And, you know, I didn't audition until senior year. I mean, you don't audition to get in until then. To audition, you play in front of someone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you audition on your principal instrument. So mine was voice. That's what I wanted to do. You got it on voice, not fiddle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. <laughs> that's that's kind of a funny story. They they destroyed my confidence on fiddle at Berkeley. I stopped playing for a while because they told wow. me I needed to stop. Um, but I had never had technical vocal training. My vocal teacher in Nashville, I had started at 11. We worked more on repertoire and we worked a little on technique, but that wasn't really his forte. So then I went to college and I knew if I wanted to do this for real, I needed to, you know, really focus on it and do vocal performance. So I started working on my scholarship audition and I, I, Worked, I picked this four and a half minute Ella Fitzgerald scat solo for my jazz piece and learned every note. You and, went to you Berkeley know. on a vocal scholarship? I did. That's crazy. It is crazy. Because I didn't think of myself as a singer. I was always like the performer that could sing, you know. Were you heads and shoulders when you got there a better singer than most of the people there? No. No. I had... I had a good ear. I've always gotten by on my ear. You know, I'm not one of those sight readers that you can just put a sheet of paper in front of me. But if I can hear it at least once ahead of time, I'm pretty good. And so there are people there that can just sight read anything you put in front of them. And there were, but I was one of the only country singers. So that was interesting. That helped make me different. And I thought I wanted to, you know, get away from country when I went to Berkeley for a minute because I had always been the girl that played the fiddle that was always given the country music song. I had no idea you went on a voice scholarship. And I've told Natalie, even just like driving around, like she's one of the better singers in Nashville. Like there's a 1% group that that we put certain people in. And Natalie Stovall is one of the better singers in all of the city. And I thought you were the the, the fiddle player. So you go to Berkeley with the fiddle and they say, you're just not good. Yeah, I kept auditioning for this one show. It was their big singer showcase. And I didn't get in the first couple of times that I auditioned for it. But I I would audition and play fiddle too. 
And I, they would always encourage you to come in and watch your tape with one of the judges and he would give you advice. So I went in cause I wanted to get into this sucker and he was like, would you please just put the fiddle down? It's what's hurting you. Like just stop playing the fiddle and just sing. And the next time I auditioned just on vocals and I, I made the, the show every semester after that. And now it's weird because you're the girl that plays the fiddle like a monster. That's what you're known for. I mean, you're, you're the baddest fiddle player around. It's crazy. It, it will. And it, it took me a while. It, it really destroyed my confidence on fiddle. I mean, I thought I was horrible and I thought I shouldn't play anymore. And so I kind of put it down for a little, I mean, I always still kind of played, but then when I started putting a band together at school, um, you know, devil went down to Georgia was always one of our big show stopping moments. And so then there were a few songs I'd play on, but I didn't really play much. I just sang. So going back, you were on Oprah. <laughs> yeah, I was on Oprah. That was, that, that was weird. Um, I I had won the Silliest Kid in America contest. Through Oprah? Was that a contest <laughs> no, no, no. that she had? No, it was in... Okay, so when I was in Kids Club, the adult Kids show... Kids Club is at Opryland, the yes. theme park, and you were a performer. Yes, yeah. I was in that show for four years from like ages 10 to 14. So um, when I was in Kids Club, the adult in the show, she was hosting Nashville's Silliest Kid competition, and she called me and said, Natalie, you got to come do your baby cry. Cause I had learned how to do this ventriloquist kind of baby cry thing. Do you still do? I can still yeah, do, do, do a little bit of it here. Well, it's not going to work over. My mouth's not moving. Right. <laughs> 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 and it drinks a bottle and burps. There's a whole act. So I won, <laughs> I won the Nashville silliest kid competition, which wasn't difficult. Cause I was up against like your mama's so fat jokes, you know, it was like at the East Nashville Y and it was just, it was kind of funny. And then they sent my tape into national judges. I won the national competition. I got like a free trip to Disney World for my whole family. Which because was you did a baby voice. Because I did yeah. a baby cry. And one of the prizes was supposed to be to be on uh, either Jay Leno or David Letterman. And I was like freaking out. But the thing was, I was at the end of the age group. I was like fourteen, and they sent my tape to David Letterman. And they were like, um. No, we don't want her on the show. Because I think they were expecting like a little kid, like right. a little funny Not kid. Not like a 14-year-old kid that's like, hey, I can cry like a baby. But then I didn't know this was happening, but Trix, the sponsors of the competition, they sent in my tape to Oprah because she was doing a show on her funniest viewers, like silly viewers and stuff. So um, the producers of Oprah called one day, and I was like a freshman in high school by the time this happened. And said, do you want to come be on the show? We'd love for you to do something else, though, too. And so that's when I played. I played the fiddle between my knees. So you want to... I have, here's Natalie Stovall at Oprah here. No. Oh, how'd you find this? Oh, that says Opry. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> you couldn't find the Oprah. We, kept, we looked hard I, for I it. Really hard for we it. looked like, really hard for it. You can just it. call my parents. I'm sure they have So you went on Oprah and you did the baby cry and you played the fiddle between your knees. Yeah. Yeah. And so silly. Did you meet... Oprah was cool? Oprah cool? was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I walked out and she said, so what are you going to do? And she introduced me and stuff. And I told her I was going to play the violin between my knees. And she was like, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie has a video that I saw a couple weeks ago where it was the first time you played the Grand Ole Opry. Mm -hmm. And you were how old? 12. Okay, and so this is a Natalie at the Grand Ole Opry. She's only 12 years old. So I want you to make her welcome here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, Natalie Stovall. A nice hand. 
She's in a cowgirl outfit. Full cowgirl. <laughs> Full cowgirl. Full cowgirl. <laughs> and that's not me playing film. Not yet. They got alligators too and crawfish pie. Ghosts don't blow in it down tonight. And on the Delta, it's quite a show. They got hurricane parties. Every time they close, but here up north, it's a cold, cold rain. And there ain't no cure for my blues today. Except when the paper says, Bones, you're That's, that's Natalie. She's 12 playing the Opry. So how do you get that? That was so cool. People uh, like wait their whole life to play the Opry. It was, yeah. Yeah, they do. And it was, it was crazy because when I was in the kids club show out at the theme park, they, we did a video uh, to, that they wanted to sell at the shows. And one of the songs was called Think Big. And it was all talking about like, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. And they asked all of the kids in the song, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so they would ask me and I would say, I want to be on the Grand Ole Opry. And then they just, they made it happen. The first time you were supposed to be on though, you got bumped, right? Yeah. So you go, you're 12. By Garth. And Natalie's <laughs> going to go play the Opry, 12 years old. And all of a sudden Garth shows up. Well, it was crazy because this, oh, that's such a crazy time in my life because I had just been invited to go audition for pilot season in Los Angeles. So my mom and I were getting ready to just go live in LA for a few months. And we kept postponing our leave date for the Opry, but then they kept postponing on me. They did twice. And so finally the Opry land said, Hey, just go on and we'll just fly you back whenever the date comes through. So I was actually living in LA at the time. And then they flew me back. You came to back be on, to play the Opry. And I bought the most country outfit I've ever worn. In L.A. Like, I went and got that outfit in L.A. and then wore it on the Opry that night. I already had the hat, of course. But, um, yeah. Watching and then I video. flew back to L.A. and finished out. Thank goodness I never booked anything out there because that's really where I was like, okay, I don't want to be an actress. I want to be on stage all the time. You were so composed at 12. <laughs> you, you were, I, you. I, listen, I played the Opry for the first time so at cool. 35, and I was like, this is crazy. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I'm looking around. My eyeballs are beady, and it. it but for you at 12, you were just like, it was just, you just out there smiling, having a good time. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it when I did it. Really? Because I, I don't enjoy awesome things while they're happening because I think I'm going to screw them up. Yeah. I enjoy things I, that go well and that. looking at pictures afterward. I don't yeah. enjoy them while they're happening. Yeah. You were enjoy, enjoying this at 12. I was enjoying every second. And I told myself before I went out there, like, enjoy this. This is not something that anyone gets to do. You sang for the president. I did. Which president? George W. Bush. So I have Natalie singing for the president here. Oh, God! It is my great pleasure to welcome tonight from Nashville, Tennessee, Miss Natalie Stovall. God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her. Through the night with the light from above. Natalie, I know who you are, and I've, I've figured it out as we're talking. You're the Forrest Gump of country music. <laughs> <laughs> She's, you are the first. You have these odd off stories that all just kind of come back together. You're the, like, it's like Forrest Gump. I mean, <laughs> I was not composed for that one. So, I okay, was I want, shaking how did this like happen? a leaf. They ask you to come sing for President Bush. Yes. And so. Did someone just call you and say, hey, we've heard you sing? I got an email 
from my agent at the time, I was out touring colleges and I was on one of my very first big college shows. And I remember getting in the back of the Suburban and it was, you know, one or two in the morning. And this was back when I had my little trio Palm Pilot or whatever. And I see this email come in that says, hey, um, oh, what was the gray headed dude from American Idol? Uh, Taylor Hicks. Taylor Hicks uh, just dropped out of singing for the president. It's all pro bono. Does anybody want this? And I was like, me, me, me. Does me, anybody me. want this? Yes. And the reason they were asking was because you had to pay your own way. You weren't going to get paid to do it or anything. And I was going, who wouldn't do this? And I immediately was like, please, please, please. I'll do anything to do this. And they asked for a recording of me singing the national anthem. It was supposed to be the anthem. Um, so I sent that in and they called and asked me to come do it. So and you're then, singing in front of the president. Are you able to see him mm-hmm. while you're singing? I got to meet him right before. Crazy, and then right? I'm that, that, standing that's so between, crazy. He was on my right and the first lady was on my left. And in front of me, it, it was, you know, it was the correspondence dinner. So it's all movie stars and, you know, famous people. And in front of me, Larry King and Larry David were sitting at a table right next to each other, right in the front row. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, where am I right now? Like a girl from small town Tennessee yeah. is singing Neil for the president USA. of yeah. the United States. I know. And regardless of who the president is, that's still the freaking president of the United States. Yes, I know. It was it was one of the most incredible honors of my life. I mean, it was so surreal. Nervous? Yes shaking and they told me they were you know the the guy steve scully who was introducing me there he was gonna put the little step stool up because even with my heels on i was too short to reach the mic and so um but they forgot to do that so i had to get there like in my ball gown and pull the little step stool out and then stand up on it myself and (laughs) i think that was good it kind of calmed me down for a second yeah but i was so nervous how did you feel about the performance once it was over did you feel like you did pretty good? I did okay. Yeah? I, it's hard for me to listen to that, though. I don't I don't like that one. Was, Why don't you like that? I don't Because I can hear I myself. Do. I can hear the nerves. I can hear little pitch issues. I can tell that I was not 100% on my game. Do you have a picture that you look at and go, okay, this is awesome? Yes. That's cool. I have one backstage. So right before we went out... Um, they had just introduced me to President Bush and the First Lady, and then they cleared the room of everyone except for me, the two of them, and Secret Service and a photographer. And as we're standing there, I'm talking to him, and he, I think, I think the First Lady said, uh, "George, this is Natalie, she's going to sing the anthem," and he goes, "No, she's not. She's going to sing America the Beautiful." And then I'm standing there thinking like oh no do you correct the president and the first lady like what do you do and i kind of put my hand on my my heart and was like god bless america and then we all started laughing and i wouldn't have remembered this but they snapped a picture right when we're all laughing at the same time and apparently i put my hand down on his arm like i'm that's just how i am i'm real kind of i don't know i'm i'm touchy with people you know and (laughs) i'm like got my hand on the president's arm and the first lady's kind of looking at me but we're all laughing and it's just one of my favorite pictures That's so cool you got to meet the president of the united states of america and when i was done this is crazy when i was done when i got down off of the stage as i was passing by president bush put his left hand to his side but kind of underneath like a low five like when you'd give yeah, someone yeah. a low five and that was another moment where i'm like do i, do I give the president a low five I'm like what do i do Did right you now give the a low five? i just kind of Put my hand in his, yeah. like like a soft five, I guess, really <laughs> awkward. And he goes, you nailed it. 
And I was like, oh Brandon, she's for real like the Forrest Gump country music. <laughs> <laughs> like, these stories are blowing me away right now. Uh, so, so funny. You started acting at three, fiddle at four. You're in the kids' club at Opryland. Now, Opryland does not exist anymore because it was, no. a, it was a theme park. It was a theme park. And you, as a kid, amazing. I would assume were making pretty good money performing. Yeah. Yeah. For a, I mean, making any money performing for me. Like, And I, I put every single penny away in the bank. Um, and the only way that I got to do that Los Angeles trip and go live out there for a couple months was that I paid for the whole thing for me and mama. And then, um, the rest of it went to college. So you go to LA to be an actress and what'd you do? Just audition for a bunch of roles and yeah, I auditioned. I had about, I don't know, 12 or 13 auditions, which wasn't a ton for the time. A, a my acting coach's son was my age. He was my boyfriend and uh, he had like 26 auditions. Dudes at the time, 12-year-old kids at the time had a lot more opportunities. And that it just fluctuates just That's like crazy anything. now because women have all the opportunities. Oh, I know. Music. Now it's, they all, yeah, especially in country music. Of what, of, yeah. Of the world, yes. So you go out and I'm a, I guess you didn't land Doogie Howser or anything. No, they worked really hard um, to help me get rid of my accent which I am glad did not work on me. And I started listening to tapes and I started trying to, but they, I just, it's tough. I did that. I went to speech with uh, pathology for years. Yeah. Yeah. I went for years. See, that's the thing. I I would have to go for years. And you still don't lose it because you're maybe if you're in LA, it's different for me. I never left the South. Yeah. Meaning I lived in Arkansas and as I'm learning speech path and you know, your, your eyes, your eyes. Yeah. Or your, I say I now, but when you're, in Arkansas, you're out and eat some ice. You know, that's how, that's how I would <laughs> yeah. talk. Or, you know, you go fishing, you want to go fishing. You know, there were different right. things that you would learn by uh, doing that. So they're trying to remove your accent. I would think they would try to put you into roles where your accent was kind of a character. You would think so. I guess there weren't really any auditions. Because, I mean, I was only out there for a couple of months. You got nothing? Um, were you dis- destroyed? Uh-uh. I got to audition for Roseanne for uh, Roseanne show DJ's first girlfriend, but and it, and some girl that was on a lot of shows like you knew who she was got the part. But the, 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 they used to go to the video store. Huh? You know, I've seen every episode of Roseanne. Do, do you, oh, know I don't, the, you don't know? No, he went, he was taking her to a dance. It was like his middle school dance or whatever. And that could have been you. It could have been me. Dang. Oh, I've got one for you. Okay, what you got? I. Audition. I got a callback to be Little Jenny in Forrest Gump. Really? Yeah. You look like Little Jenny. <laughs> so you, you auditioned for Forrest Gump? I did. I did. For Little Jenny. Uh-huh. You know, they came to Nashville. Got they had a open... So I could fly far, far away. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't remember the audition. Like, I don't remember what we did. I don't know if I said any of that. But, um, but yeah. And they wouldn't even let you in that. Like, they would look at each kid. Because my best friend and I, and she was also at Opryland... We both auditioned for it. And she actually made it, I think, to a third callback. Like, she made it even further. Um, but, yeah, you had to have blonde hair and blue eyes. And, you know, they would kind of look at you before you go in. And then you'd go in and do your lines or talk to them or whatever. I don't know. So, you go in to get the part of Jenny. Obviously. But she didn't know what for. You just knew it was a Tom Hanks movie. You yeah, didn't know. I guess so what it was yet. And then when I saw the movie, I was like, dang it, I could have been little Jenny. <laughs> yeah, many of us, I can fly far, far away. <laughs> um, so, okay, so, so this is happening. You're, you're trying everything. Yeah. Young. You're yeah. still, you, you, you graduate high school? Mm-hmm. Do you, normal, like 12th grade graduate yeah. high school? Yeah, yeah. 
So then you go to Berkeley. Do you graduate from Berkeley? Yes. So you finish school there too? Yeah. Okay, and then you're at a crossroads. Do you, do you go back to Nashville? Do you? What, oh, I knew. I was coming straight back here. Straight back and start end. While I was in at Berkeley, um, my sophomore year, I I met a guy named James, who's now your and husband, who is now my husband yeah. and drummer. But he was. I had a crush on his roommate, so I would always like try to hang out and fill in James's room, and. I I went and I met this dude named James and I was like, hey, well, I'm a country singer. And he was like, I'm a country drummer. And I was like, no way. Oh, my gosh. And he still swears to this day he did not say that. But I swear he said he was a country drummer. But we were talking one day and he was like, hey, why are you singing for all these other people? Because I was singing backgrounds and playing fiddle for a lot of people. He's like, why don't you have your own band? And I was like, hmm, I don't know. Why don't I have my own band? So we started a band and, you know, had auditions and brought in all these other players and then I called my parents and was like, hey, I know this is weird. What do you think about a band moving into the house during the summer? And into I'll, your house. Into my parents' house yeah. in Columbia, Tennessee. And I'll just book shows for us all summer. And they were like, okay. I cannot believe they said okay to that. How many people moved into your parents' house? The first summer, it was four guys. And the second summer, it was five. Guys plus you? Guys plus me. So, yeah. you, so there were a total of eight people living in your house at one point? Uh-huh. Wow, did your parents yeah. did your parents cook and stuff? Yeah, and, Mama would cook all the time, and and you know we knew too like not to expect that. But so okay, so and I just like I don't know, it's crazy. I can't believe they let us do that. Your band is Natalie Stovall on the drive. I always think it's like the other people didn't care. What do you mean? Like how come it's it's not you know the drive or. A bunch of, I don't know any name, but it was you, then a side band. Oh. <laughs> well, at first I really wanted it to just be Stovall. Okay. Uh, but there was another band in Atlanta that is a bunch of dudes that play on the weekends and stuff, and their name is Stovall. And now with the the way the world works, um, it's like you, because of Facebook, you're established worldwide if you have a name. You know, I mean, you know, before Facebook and stuff. Was there ever know. an issue of like, hey, why do we have to be the drive and you get your own name as the head of the band? No, because with that, because also when it was at Berkeley, it was Natalie Stovall and Green Line South. It was a different name. Um, but for years, we toured under just Natalie Stovall. But after about, well, I mean, this November will be Miguel's 10th year on the road with me. And Joel's almost at five years. And so it's like after a while, it was like, man, I don't. I don't feel like me without these guys. And so that was really a call on my part to give the band a name and recognize them more, elevate them more as my band. So it was just Natalie Sobol. And then yeah, you added years. the drive instead of it going, all right, we're called Natalie Sobol on the drive. Right, right. Oh, look at you. And when we Generous. went from Natalie Stovall to deciding to name it as a band, that's when I was looking at Stovall. And when that didn't pan out, you know, we were searching for a name and then we decided to do the and. Uh, here's a... Uh, weird, hard, and maybe a question that you take in a weird way. Why do you think that you haven't popped yet? Mm. Because I say I that, in, that the most, <laughs> in the most complimentary way because you are one of the best singers in a city oh. of the best singers. Gosh, and to watch you play the fiddle, nobody does what you, nobody does what you do. And it's just like, why, why do you think you haven't popped yet? I think 
part of it is that I have kind of gone at it from a little backwards way than a lot of people did because I was on the road for so long before I really started to kind of take more time in Nashville and spend more time writing and developing the music side. Cause you know, the typical Nashville route is it's like you move here, you start writing, you start honing in on what your sound is. And I really, I really just wanted to be on the road. I wanted to do anything I could to be working full time as a musician. And I went that route instead of writing all the time. And I would write as often as I could in town, but you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I think... You are one of the most talented people I've ever met. Why do you think I haven't popped? I don't know the answer to that because I didn't know that, that you went road dogging way early and said it. Because people, that's what happens. People come to Nashville. They right. try to establish an identity or a sound. They write, write, write with as many right. people as possible. They play, Then they start to play a little bit mm-hmm. locally and they try to branch them. So I didn't know you went backward like that. That makes a little sense. Um, yeah, because I've done the college market for... You know, since 2006, and we've, I mean, we were doing between 200 and 250 shows a year up until last year. You're so talented. Or this year, I So guess. talented that I asked Natalie, and she plays on the road with the Raging Idiots some. It was just like, would you please play with us? Because, and I can ask, I mean, frankly, I can ask anybody. Yeah, you This can. is a town full of musicians everywhere. Awesome and I was just like, hey, would you please play with us? Because you're so yeah. good. And at times I felt guilty because I felt like, man. I'm holding you back because I mean, and also I'm really good and I know I overshadowed you a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I I felt bad there. Um, What is you're, you're raising the bar so that I can hold my own on stage so so that I can get up to your level. You do get a deal, a record deal. Yeah. Okay. How long ago was that when you got your first record deal? 2013. So three years ago, roughly Mm -hmm. you get a record deal. Yeah. Um, and so what, uh, what's the first song you start with? Like first time, first record deal, first single, you're excited. What song do you put out there? Baby, come on with it. Baby, come on with it. Oh, baby, come on with it. Drink a little drink, sing a little song with it. Show me the wild side, down by the fire side. Give me that shimmy, shimmy one more time. Oh, coming on strong with it. I could go on. So what did this song do? Uh, the chart? Yeah, it got to 36. It got to 36. Is, yeah. this, is this your biggest song? Yes. Okay, it's so. my only song to, to radio that we actually ship to radio. So Baby Come On With It comes out. You hit 36. Do you think, okay, this is it? Like, we're about to hit big. Um, there's not, uh, There wasn't a lot of time to think too much, but I felt like... We were in, we had positioned ourselves really well. I felt, you know, because we, we were meeting every radio station in the country and just going like crazy, going nonstop. I mean, all the crazy stories you hear about radio tours. And um, the way Hit Shop did it was pretty cool because they would book a show, like a real show in a club. And, and Hit Shop f- is your record. Was yeah, your they were the record, record deal. Right. Yeah, the record label. So they would fly all these radio PDs and all these people, all the representatives from the stations out to see our live show instead of just going into the conference room and just playing acoustic. And that was really an amazing way to do it. Um and I felt like our second single, once we recorded it and started working on it, I felt like that was, I don't know. I just, I was really excited to see where it went. What was it called? It was called Mason Jar. When you're loving, it's my you burn me up 
this is how you thought, okay, this could really be it for us. Yeah. Well, I just, I felt like it was going to, I don't know. I was really, really excited about it. And it was, it was really reacting well to crowds, which is always my gauge. Like when we were playing on stage, if the crowd gets into it when they don't know the song, then it, it feels really good. And you feel like you're on a good, a good plan, a good route, I guess. Um, and then what happened? The week before that got shipped to radio, the label closed. The investor said, we don't want to do this anymore. And so that was about a year into signing the deal. So a couple of years ago, you're on a label, you chart, you have a second song you feel great about, and the label goes, eh, we're out. Mm-hmm. So then what do you do? So then everything just kind of, you know, all the stuff that we had worked for really fell away in a lot of ways. I mean, we were, the good thing about my band is it's like, we're going to play and we're going to tour the crap out of the country no matter what happens deal no deal it doesn't matter i'm gonna make sure that we're touring um but yeah it was it it's it's hard to have help both financially and just support wise in the industry and then have everything fall away because do you ever think about breaking the band up no never no 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 and like it's cheaper to go solo now uh-uh I don't even think it is. Also, my guys have put in so much time and work and work done, done more jobs than they needed to. As far as like they, they work so hard for me. Joel does merch during like after the shows for me and Miguel does the stage and James tour manages. And we all take on about 15 extra roles to make this thing work. And I mean, I think being by myself, I wouldn't have it with my guys to share it with. You know, and I don't know. It's it's a family that we've worked really hard to build, and it's really fun to to see these highs and lows together. It sucks when it's a low, but we're work we're experiencing it together. You know. So uh, now you're not on a label. Um, are, are you trying to be on a label? And are you? Is it like are you on the meetings and they're just like ah, we just don't feel it right now? Um, yes and no. I'm. I I would love to have the right partnership again. That'd be amazing, you know, and I'm constantly looking for it. But I try very hard not to worry too much about that. That's what management and all the other parts of your team are for, I think, because it all starts with the music and it's all about the song. And I'm just been writing a bunch and trying to find the right next thing, you know. I mean, as I'm writing and working I've been meeting with different producers and talking to people. And that's another relationship that's really integral to your, your sound and, and what happens next is, is recording the right music and the right sound and kind of taking everything I've learned from the last few years and what worked and what didn't and what I'm good at, you know, what do I do that other artists don't do or, uh, you know, what is the one thing that I'm better at, you know, cause I think we all have that. You um you label folds and you decide to crowd fund a record. Mm-hmm. How are you doing this? And you're like, yeah. hey, if you give me a dollar, I'll come to your house and give you a massage. Like you were doing <laughs> exactly, stuff like that. It was yeah. like, and so is that where the EP that you guys have out now came from? Yeah, that was you know when the label folded, all the music. I mean, they owned all the music, and they didn't so. give it to you. Um, well, they that was it. Took a while. Yeah. So, um, but they were great about it. Once I call, I personally called the one of the investors and talked to him because they took it offline so we kind of lost all the all the reviews and all the fun things and it looked like we didn't have anything out you know it looked like we were just some random 
You're band with no ball. music. It, yeah. Well, we had had a couple records out before this stuff that we took down at the request of the label because they wanted to put up all new stuff. But then I'm not going to go back and put up stuff I released in 2008, you know, in 2010 or 11, I guess. But I'm not going to put up older stuff when I don't even have newer stuff to put up. So the name of the EP now is called Heartbreak. Okay, and here is the song, which is called Heartbreak. And this was paid for all by fans, for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's cool. It like, was amazing. It, it also shows the age we're in. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, if people are passionate enough, and I remember, I mean, I, listen, I put 10 grand down myself. You didn't know, but I did. You're welcome. <laughs> they did. I didn't. I really didn't. <laughs> no one put in 10 grand. No one single no. person I think did. I get, oh, I give it to Stovall. That band <laughs> Oh, crap. Why did you give it to Stovall? Oh, no. Dang it. So you have yeah. the EP out there, and so you're on the road supporting that. But is that something that like you guys are going to take that and, and make that into a bigger record, or are you just kind of starting from scratch now? I'm, I, I feel like I'm starting from scratch now. I mean, at first I was, uh, I'm was i open to all options. But um, this EP was really cool because we got the chance to experiment a lot. We worked almost every song with a different producer, and I was – writing thematically most of the songs are kind of about you know the the label falling apart or just you know just hanging in and not giving up on what you believe in um but but musically i was trying a lot of different things and seeing what worked and what didn't and so that ep was really fun for us and kind of a great experiment and so i'm trying to take what i learned from that and Turn that into the next thing. And you can download it. Evolve. You can, you can still download it now, too, by the way. Yeah. It's called Heartbreak here. You're married to your drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of time together. It is. It's I mean, a lot of time together. The reality of it, it's a lot of time together. Yeah. Um, and they say, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder. That's not the case with you guys. <laughs> No, it's not. But, I mean, it is when we do, when we are apart, which isn't very often. But um, it's, I don't think it would work for everybody. I think because we were, had such a musical partnership that was not at all romantic for a few years before it turned into something romantic, that I think that was a big advantage for us. And, uh, you know, we work really hard to, to make it, we don't ever want people to feel like they're out with the married couple. You know, so even when we're on the road, it's we're we're working. We're not lovey dovey. Whenever, because you know? um, by the way, Natalie comes out and we're lucky enough that she played the Raging Idiot show. This uh, she she's done some shows. You know, she it's like a cycle, and I'm lucky to have great artists come in. And Natalie comes and sings her brains out and plays the fiddle, and has really been as part of the growth of our stupid band. Um, as, <laughs> it's so fun. It's been, you've actually been a part of the growth of what is just a, it's a nutty thing, right? It's crazy. Like, it's crazy. The Raging Idiots thing is crazy. It's but, crazy. It's so fun. And until you see it, yeah. you just don't understand uh-uh. it. Because I can't sing. And I've gotten better, but I can't sing. 
but it is a very entertaining show. And people, they'll scream for us to cut. And we'll go down, I get undressed. I never expect it. People are just like, God, encore, yeah. yeah. So for what you do, I always feel guilty because we go out and I, we've had this talk off just to ourselves to where we shouldn't have these crowds come to these shows. We shouldn't be having 2,000 people show up at a theater and sell out and go nuts. And here you are, the, one of the most talented people I've ever met, and you're like my side fiddle player. <laughs> agree though that you shouldn't and i disagree that you can't sing too because you can sing and what you do is so accessible and the show is so fun and people just want to be there and have a good time and you provide that for them and you know for the thing is i mean i'm i don't know why it hasn't happened for us yet i don't either i guess what i'm trying to ask is what have i taught you as an artist huh what have i taught you as an artist what do you mean? I don't know. I'm, 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 oh, you're genuinely asking yeah, that. Yeah, oh, <laughs> no, not really. I'm not really asking. No, no, you. I've just, I hold was on. Totally I being need facetious. a second. I was no, totally being I'm not going to let that. you be facetious with that though, because I have learned so much from you by being okay with being on my toes and being okay with whatever happens. Roll with it, because I'm. I'm much more, I like for things to be rehearsed and I like for, to know what we're going to do. And there are times in my show where it does go somewhere or there's a solo or some kind of instrumental or something that happens that's off the cuff. But that's a lot less often than a Raging Idiot show because you will look at us at times and say, hey, hey, do you know this song? And I'll be like, well, I mean, I've, I've heard it. I've, I've heard it before. And you're like, play it. <laughs> and we like have to play it in front of thousands of people. Oh, yeah, no, we did Thong Song. We practiced five minutes before 20,000 people. Um, I was kidding with that, but, um, but I have learned so much from that. And I think that's part of being on the road too. And it's been good for me to do different tours and play with different people because you do, you learn something from everybody you're out with. Who do you, uh, you, you're out there now doing a lot of stuff. Who do you see out there now that you're like, man, that that's special. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the major artists that are out there. We know they're special because they've broken through. They're do- but who, who's out there now that you're like, that's special and it's ready. It's also ready to pop. You're just kind of watching for it. Oh, well, I mean, I'm, I mean, my friends, of course, I'm part of the reason I'm friends with some of the people. And I don't know, there's, God, there's so many in Nashville. Um, you know, Ruthie Collins is one of my best friends. And I just, I think she's one of the best writers in Nashville. I just think but she's well, As an artist, will she pop? I think, I don't understand why she hasn't, because I think what she does as an artist is incredible. I've never she's heard got one a very song from her, Unique, ever. very specific style that is so cool. Well, and she's, you know, and she's on Curb, and they're they're working on putting some stuff out, so hopefully you'll hear stuff soon. It's weird. Um, I think Kelly Bannon's amazing. You know, I mean, we're, the three of us are doing the three girls rocking to a bar tour, and it's been so, that's another one I'm learning so much from, because... I watch what these girls do and and the struggles that they have as artists and and trying to make what they do make sense all together and it's it's kind of it's crazy to me the talent in this town and the people that are so good and that just haven't gotten there yet. But it's fun to see people like Lucy Silvis really starting to pop right now. I mean, you know, people are really she's getting on some of the bigger festivals and the stuff with her music and Caitlin Smith and, you know, and even Marin, like, God, I'm so glad her stuff is coming through right now. It's awesome. And you mentioned a lot of women. Yeah. That's all. Uh, yeah. All, all yeah. everyone you just mentioned was a woman. That wasn't on purpose. 
but it's I, I, I think the women though have been making some incredible music and not to take away from the men because the men have been too but um, that's part of what happens as a backlash when you're you know it's like then you have to step up your game you know it's like the women aren't getting played as often on radio but some of the women have been putting out some of the most stellar records you know Marin is awesome because I don't think she cares. Yeah. You know, and knowing Marin. Yeah. And I've gotten the Yeah. I've gotten to know Marin. Yeah. It's special when someone is just like, This is me and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, F it. Yeah. And that's part of her appeal. Yeah. It really is. I think that's such a blessing to have that attitude too, because you know, I I want it so bad. And I'm, I, I get a little too crazy about like trying to find the perfect thing and trying to find the perfect sound and do the thing and to have the luxury to, to, I don't know whether she did or not, but I'm just saying for myself to have the luxury to just sit back and write a whole bunch, just get in the room with people and find your people. And, you know, I've always kind of balanced that when you're, I mean, that was one year we were only home 60 days out of the whole year, you know, and talk about Lucy too, Lucy Silva's. One of my favorites. Like, for, I mean, I've had her on the show two or three times. Yeah. I've she play. She'll come out, and if there's any time I can put her on any show, I put her yeah. on. She's open for. It. She's played the women of country with this. Like, yeah. it's just it's it's exciting for me to see because you're starting to see that little shift. And I and not every year you see it a little more and more. And I and I get interviewed about it a lot because I've been really one of the guys. There, there are a couple of us in the industry that really are like fighting for the females. Right. Um, and so it's cool to see it start to shift a bit. It is. And then it's shifting, it's shifting a little. And uh, Lucy and uh, yourself and even like Lindsay. And oh, Lindsay. Good Lord. Lindsay. Lindsay is. Lindsay L, by the way. Lindsay L is on such a different level as an artist and just her, her playing. Is a, her, Oh, she's just, just someone who, like, like you, she's some, no, no one else can do what she does. Right. No one else can do what you do. And it'd be interesting to, for you guys to find your voices. Yeah. And that's what I think you guys are searching for right now. Like what's your I think voice? So too. Yeah. Like what, what is the sound of, of Lindsay L and what is the sound of Natalie Stovall in the drive? You know, cause I mean, I, I, I always feel like I feel it when I'm on stage and then putting that into the perfect song, you know, is, is much easier said than done. Mike, you have any uh, questions over there that you'd like to ask from the corner? Mike, Mike Distro over there. Go ahead. Hi, Mike. So when did you start writing songs and how old were you? Cause you started playing, but like, what was like the first song you wrote about? I started when I was 11, but I wouldn't show them to anybody, like, but well, I have like journals remember, like, and journals. You wrote about like at 11, probably a boy. I don't remember the first thing I wrote about. I think I have the journal somewhere in my, my room at my parents' house, though. It's hilarious. Uh, what's something your hometown is known for? We are the mule capital of the world. Why the mule? <laughs> Do you have that many mules? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, back in the day when that was a lot more important, we were the mule trading capital of the world. And I don't... I, it's just... We have Mule Day every year. We have a big parade with all the mules. And they do mule races. And it's awesome. Mule Day is so fun. <laughs> And then what's your favorite move on stage? My favorite move on yeah. stage? Oh, I, I know the answer to that. Oh. I know Natalie's signature move. What is 
It's where she plays the fiddle and back bends all the way down, and the yeah. crowd goes nuts. She plays the fiddle, and then she bends all the way backward to where her head's almost touching the ground as she plays. And then the crowd just erupts. That is really fun. Like every, every time. Yeah. Like it happened every time. The, <laughs> the uh, weird thing uh, is, like, Natalie is a dancer. Like, Natalie has soul. And so, like, I, I like soul. I'm comfortable with soul. And so, when Natalie and I are together on stage, I like to dance. And we dance yeah. a lot together. And I love dancing. And I love dancing. However, when Natalie's husband was playing drums behind us. <laughs> you were so there, weird no, about no, no, it. No, 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 no. There was nothing weird. I wouldn't do it. There was no dancing. <laughs> I, 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 he I, talked I, about it forever, too. It was so funny. I just he waved. kept being like, I'm not going to dance with I'm you tonight. I'm not dancing. Like, was, we'll, we'll dance. You know, it's a show. To me, it's a show. Like, we are there yeah. to entertain the crowd. And it's when, when we play as the Raging Idiots, <laughs> I, I do oh not have lead gosh. singer disease. There's a thing called lead singer disease where the lead singer's got to be the star all the time. Right. I have the opposite of that. I want the best, the most fun thing happening. If it's Natalie singing or if it's Ahmad or if it's Eddie, like I just want it to come from all directions. Yeah. And part of it is like we get down. Yeah. Natalie doesn't play the drums. We got up. I was out. Like I was, <laughs> I was grinding on Eddie. Like I had Eddie bent over because I was... Her husband plays the drums loud, and he's big, and I was like, this ain't happening. I'm not doing it. I even went up to you at one point, and you wouldn't even look no, at me. No, no, like, I, I was She's trying like, to dancing? get up next to him I and dance. Like, well, and he, you yeah. got a six-foot-four husband behind me <laughs> playing the drums. I got nothing to do with you right now. That is so funny. But he doesn't care. Right? No, he does not care. No. Okay, I just want to make sure. All right, so uh, Natalie Stovall and The Drive. I put them as one of the ten acts that you have to see live if they're around. So if they, if, if Natalie comes out, you have to see her. I mean, she's fantastic live, even if you come and see her with the Raging Idiots. Um, and it's been cool to, like, you played the Ryman with us last year with the Million Dollar Show. Yeah, that was our my first show with you. Was that the first show? Yeah. That, it was cool for me because that was a big show because like it was Natalie and like it was Carrie and all these big, uh, Dirks and everybody was playing. Yeah. And, um, Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton played. Oh. And so and then we played iHeartRadio Music Festival and, and we just played acoustic but we went out in the Irwin Center and Arena and it was me, Eddie and Natalie. It was crazy. And we played. So many you know, people. It was so many people in, in an arena. And Natalie's going to play the Opry with us on Tuesday, depending on when you hear this. So Eddie and I are playing, and I was like, Natalie, will you could please come play with us? And so I know I take up a lot of your time. Does your band get mad? No. No, they're so happy for me. Because I would get annoyed, I think. If you're in an interview and someone is like, hey, so tell me about when you play with the Ray. I would, I, sometimes I'll see a clip, and I'll be like, oh, cringe. And I'll text you and be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's it really, I promise, though. I mean, they know that that. It's it's all good for all of us. My only goal you know? is to get more people to see your name and your face, Aww. and that's it. it. You're just so good. And I, I remember talking two weeks ago, and I was like, I know you're going to leave soon, but just thank you for playing with us because you've it's just been an incredible run. And um, I hope people kind of start to see that now. And, well, thank you. I mean, it's 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 been it is so much fun, and it still is. And I. I I've had a ball being on the road with you. And I'm th- so thankful you asked me to. And, you know, the guys, they know how much fun I'm having. And they, they're Do you ever not talk it. about it because you have so much fun? No. I mean, they always ask. They always ask how it was, you know, every week, how the last weekend was. And I don't know. It's never we awkward. We talk about everything. No, it's not. All right. I just get scared. They're going to jump me in an alley at some no, point. No, they love 
you. All right. I promise. Uh, Natalie Stovall. <laughs> uh, you can follow her on uh, Twitter, Instagram. It's at Natalie Stovall. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Stovall on the drive. They're all over the place, and she's with us some, but she's really out, you know, doing her thing. Can't wait to to hear a record. I know you you have things popping right now. You're working on new stuff. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, on some new stuff. Yeah. I'm excited. And I can't wait to like play it on the radio. I can't wait either. Yeah, as soon as I find something I love, I, I just I can't wait to play it on the radio. Um, and I encourage everybody to, to d- download Heartbreak. It's the EP now. And uh, I'm a huge Natalie Stovall fan. And uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was good. Uh, anything else you'd like to ask? No, we're good. Mike, you're good. Yeah. All right. Uh, Natalie bought popsicles. I, I, listen, oh, yeah. I had a thing here at my house <laughs> last night where I got rid of all the popsicles because I've been eating nothing but popsicles because I've been sick for like three weeks. Had some sort of weird pneumonia that I couldn't shake. And pneumonia actually sounds a lot worse than it is. Like pneumonia sounds like you should be a little house on the prairie dying. Pneumonia is pretty bad no matter how, yeah. So I was was good. I just had a terrible cough. (laughs) And so I I had Mike get rid of all the popsicles. I was like, Mike, I can't go in the room. Discard all of them. Every single one. Now they walk in the house, five (laughs) boxes of popsicles. Boom, (laughs) drops them on the counter. And that... And I was like, well, guess I'll have a couple then. I was trying to bring something I need like. It's, very, it's like uh, some people, you make a bottle of wine or, or now they brought popsicles. Well, so. you don't want, you're definitely not drinking the wine. So. I'm not. Do you see how much liquor I have? Like, in my, I don't know if you could see it. It's, it's in the corner. I have, because of like people will send me gifts that don't know me, know me. Right. They'll send me like Cristal or Dom or I have thousands of dollars in alcohol <laughs> just sitting in my house. And they don't drink, but much like the popsicles. Once I pop, I'm going to pringle those things. Like, I'm going to drink thousands of dollars in one night. Like, it's going to be a supermarket sweep, like, and you grab all the big hams and you throw it in the day of just alcohol. Like, I'm going to go, and I'll I'll invite you. We'll have a big party. Yes. Thank you for the popsicles. Thank you for stopping by. You're welcome. Uh, Natalie Stovall, the Forrest Gump of country music. (laughs) She played for the president. She uh, auditioned to be Jenny in Forrest Gump, which we learned later. Uh, she played the Opry at 12 years old, started playing the fiddle, went to Berkeley. I mean, it's just a nutty story. Uh, thank you. And, thank um, you. We will, uh, I guess I'll see you so soon. Who knows? Tuesday. Tu- oh, yeah, we're playing the Opry, Opry Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. And if you hear this later on. That little old thing. If, we, if you hear this later on, man, we killed the Opry. It was awesome. <laughs> like, if you're listening to this every Tuesday, they standing ovation for like 10 minutes. It's crazy. It was, it was nuts. Even Dirks came out, who played earlier, and was like, that's awesome. It was amazing. So, uh, thanks to Natalie Stovall, at Natalie Stovall, Mike Destro at Mike, D-E-E-S-T-R-O. By the way, Mike, somebody asked, hey, if Mike has a podcast, why does he do I don't. You don't do your podcast anymore. No. No, no. Oh, you, you don't. It was back in the day. Was, he used to do a, a punk. Yeah. Punk, yeah. Punk, punk rock podcast. But he doesn't what, do it anymore. What happened? He's got you too busy. Guess so. And you had a lot of friends in it. I had a lot of friends that did it. He had like a bunch of punk, um, a bunch of punk dudes would sit around, yeah. crazy. talk about their ears pierced and yeah. tattoos and stuff, <laughs> and talk about music I've never heard of. I get into Mike's car, and it's it's not like this. <laughs> like every song has exactly. I don't even know what he's listening to. <laughs> but that that's his thing. Favorite uh, band uh, right now, probably Lemuria. What'd you say? Lemuria. Lemuria. I've seen him the most at every band. I've seen him like over 15 times. Yeah, you go to their house. Yeah. That's how. I, no, I have no idea. <laughs> what, uh, next favorite band. Second favorite band. Uh, I really like Julian Baker right now. She's a solo artist. Is that the girl you post like a guitar picture yeah. of? She's like, like she's 12? Yeah. It looks like Natalie playing the Aubrey, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, I went to see her the other night. I really like her right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, thank you all for being here. This is episode 11 of the BobbyCast. Until next time. Uh, our sponsor right now is still no one. <laughs> but hopefully that changes soon. All right. Goodbye, everybody.